can't can't <laughs> clarify this enough. <laughs> Lock your grandparents in the basement. You are not prepared. Then you couldn't look. There was no internet to look the shit up on. Everyone loves Dick. Are uh, you Dick Grayson. <laughs> what? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Welcome to What an Oddcast. I'm Jared Minikheim. With me as always, Anthony Denny. Hello. Because that's what we do to start the show. Uh, so yeah, we're going to we're going to continue on the rabbit hole of Pantera. And let me tell you, folks, today's episode is chock full of juicy, <laughs> juicy bullshit. <laughs> Such is life, is it not? Speaking of fucking bullshit. Oh, here we go. Um, so this this microphone. Um, for for a while there, uh, it did this thing where it delayed my words half a second back into my ear so I can hear myself talk. And then I fixed it, uh-huh. and I don't know what the fuck I did, and it broke again, so now I, I'm i just hearing myself talk all over again, and I fucking hate it. So you fixed it, but then you broke it. Yep. Don't know what I did. Interesting. All right, well, uh, yeah. so I want to put out a disclaimer right now going into where we are in Pantera's history. This is where things start to get convoluted. Uh, I say that because there's a lot of shit I had to dig through to find what actually happened, because now we're getting into the point where the feud between Vinnie Paul and Phil started to brew, and it only got worse over the years, and this is where it all kind of started. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth between Phil, and if you look at what Vinny has to say, there's contradictions, and then you have Rex in the middle who didn't really pick a side, and it's just like, ah, man, I, I don't fucking know, man. Um... But uh, we're, I'm going to do my best to go through. So I want to open up with a little something I forgot last episode. We talked about vulgar oh, display of power. F- fucking bitch. There's, there was a lot of stuff to, that I was putting in, <laughs> and it just didn't make the cut. But I'm opening with it now so everyone can suck my fucking balls. Uh, Dude, they'd be super salty too, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, it's like 90-some degrees here. Why don't you come get some? <sighs> Anywho... <laughs> Uh, so the song "Walk" from Vulgar Display of Power. I put I put a little clip in there when we mentioned it. Most people know the song. Maybe you don't know how that song came to be a thing. And I, I like the story behind the song because it, uh, I just do. I like the story behind it. So basically the song walk, uh, the whole song came about because at the time they made that album, everyone that they had grown up knowing and people that they had been partying with all those years prior, now that they were hitting a bigger time and they were putting more time into doing things for the album and the record and, you know, being a band, some of their older friends were starting to say mean things about them, Anthony. Really? Like what? No, you guys ain't the same as you used to be, man. You used to come down and party all the time. Now you all doing your thing, you Mr. That... Big Fucking Shot. Isn't that how it always is? You never, you're not as you used to be. You guys never hang out and party anymore, man. Fucking big shots, fucking losers. <laughs> you guys stopped injecting heroin into your eyes and everyone knows. 
Uh, so yeah, the song, that's how the song Walk came about. Uh, it was their fuck you to all those people. Of, uh, you know, we used to be really good friends, and all of a sudden I'm making money and I'm making something of myself, and you're not, and you're going to drag me down. So fuck you. You either respect who I am or get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, <coughs> so I just, I, I like that story behind that song because uh, it really shows if you listen to that song and uh, know the story behind it. Like, it just kind of comes through. And uh, it, it's one of those songs that, like, it just fits for that kind of situation ever. Um, and you hear, and it's gotten a lot more radio play nowadays, you know, it's gotten more popular over the years. You hear it at like sporting events and shit. Cause it's, it's now iconic. Uh, <coughs> but it wasn't also, even their biggest point, but yes. Also, I want to bring up something that I totally missed out on last week. Oh, here we go. You know, that song about that they wrote about that one guy who tri- wanted uh five minutes alone called five minutes alone. Yeah, I actually have that in here. Oh. Yeah. Well, then I will I Because that wait. comes on this coming album we're about to talk about. We'll dive into uh-huh. here. Well, then I will withhold my joke. <clears throat> so, we left off of Vulgar Display of Power, and we, and you know. Yeah, we did. With Vulgar Display of Power, they found, uh, they found new success with a heavier group sound. Uh, they were starting to find a new rhythm and a new... I don't know, like a new notch in what the metal metal community was wanting. You know, uh, they started to hit on billboards. They started to get more popular, and they're like, "Fuck yeah, we've hit it, guys!" Uh, so they jump in to make a new album, right? And mm. this album, they want to go balls to the wall, heaviest they've ever done. They want nothing held back. They want to really give something people to talk about. Do it. And <clears throat> while may you know going into making this album, Anthony brought up the song Five Minutes Alone," uh, which. Is some is a instance of something that happened right before they made the album. <laughs> yeah. So while they're on tour, there's this young there's this young young teenager who's a fan. He jumps up in the crowd and he flips them off for the entire opening of their set. And what ends up happening is Phil Phil is one of those people. If you've never seen Pantera live. Uh, or seen any video about them being live. Phil's really good at capturing a crowd's attention. Where like he'll just stop everything, and he'll address everyone immediately. Like I don't see enough mosh pits. I don't see enough of this. Yada yada. So he noticed that guy immediately. Stopped in the mid. Stopped after like I think their second or third song, and he calls him out. He's like, "Hey, asshole! Like nobody else here has any problem with what you're playing. You're the only one. Why you got to be flipping us off?" He immediately gets fucking jumped. <laughs> By three to four people that are next to him. Hey, uh, fuckface. Yeah, so uh, Vinny, and Paul, uh, Vinny and Phil have both come out and just been like, yeah, no, it was the craziest thing. Like, we called him out just to be like, hey, stop being a dick. And next thing we know, he just got wrecked. <laughs> he which, got yeah. fucked up. Uh, which ends up leading to a lawsuit. <laughs> so <laughs> they get sued by the guy's father. Uh, who in his statement says, I wish I could have just five minutes alone with that Philip and Salmo guy. To which Terry Date replied, no. No, you don't. <laughs> you you Wait, don't want five minutes alone with this man. Jared, are you saying that he doesn't want five minutes, five minutes of playtime? <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs> Yo, you're going nowhere. I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of play time. 
I knew you were going to go with bone saw. I'm like, motherfucker, how could I not have brought a motherfucking bone saw? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want want no playtime with bone saw. Bone (laughs) saw is ready. Uh, and and as I said, Vinny and uh, Vinny and Phil both themselves have said that that's what inspired the song uh, Five Minutes Alone." Uh, Phil said basically he couldn't get it out of his head. He's like, once they brought that up, I just kept stewing on it and stewing on it. And Dime kept playing this one riff that he'd been stuck on, and I'm like, you know what? Keep playing that. I think I got something here. And Five Minutes Alone" was born. I think I'll get. I think I'll get it in about five minutes. <laughs> but I'll need to be alone to get the melody through. Wait, I got the name. Congratulations, Anthony. Are you proud of that one? Proud of that one? <laughs> I was more proud of my bone saw joke, but the bone saw joke. You know, I'll give you bone. I'll give you credit. Oh. See, what you also didn't see is me pick up the mic, bring it physically close to my mouth, upside down, and say the bone saw is ready for. So moving on. Moving so, on. Not only are they working on this new album, and you know they're figuring out what they want to do with it. Uh, sadly, Anthony, I'm sorry. This is where things sadly start the end. The very slow and painful demise of Pantera. Oh, no. So, Phil had been having severe back pains. So he goes to the, he goes to a doctor. The doctor tells him, no, no, everything's fine. He does this multiple times. Eventually, he gets two MRI, MRIs done and reveal that, uh... Two of the discs in his back are just blown out. <clears throat> Damn. And he ends, uh, yeah, and what he finds out is that the three vertebrae in the middle of his back are slowly fusing upward. So fuck. that's where all the pain is coming from. How the fuck did that happen? <clears throat> um, it, there's a, I, I forgot to write down the name of the disease, but it's a disease in like the backbone itself, and uh, they're basic, they're like fusing together as they disintegrate. So he's getting all the pain because they're losing mobility. Oh, that hurts to hear. Yeah. And uh, at the time, this is 1995, 6, or no, this is 94, 95. So there wasn't a whole lot of surgery like we have now. Uh, The way Phil puts it is he was told that he had a surgery he could take that would separate them. But there was also a 50% chance it could paralyze them because it could not take. So he's like... I, I don't want to take that risk, and even if it does work, I can't take the time off from the band. Like, I can't do it. So what do you think Plus, he does, Anthony? Well, um, probably, sadly, um, starts taking painkillers and gets addicted to them. That is exactly right. Uh, what he does to cope is uh, he drinks a copious amount of alcohol and follows them with a shit ton of painkillers. You know, I didn't want to say it. I was going to make a joke, but I just, <clears throat> I, I couldn't take myself to do that. So, uh, this is how Phil puts it, is the media and fans had made me out to be this invincible Superman. The song I'm Broken was a song that was made in reference, in, in reference to everything I had going on. I was seen as this invincible, big metal dude, 
and the back pain was the first time that I really felt like I was vulnerable. Like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm not invincible. Uh, and that puts him in that mindset of like, I have to keep going out on stage. I have to keep performing. I, I can't show everyone that I'm actually just this weakling. Like I got to go out there and do this. Uh, so again, that's where the song I'm broken comes from is that's really sad. Uh, so yeah, so he pushes through, they keep making the album, uh, they experiment on this album even more, they drop tones down even further, they start messing around with how they're going to do these layouts, and uh, it's uh, overall it has the rage that Phil was feeling, the rage that the band was feeling about everything, um, it also has that same energy of like, you know, they're pushing on, they're giving you everything they've got. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's just it's just what Pantera is. Uh, best yeah. way I can put it. Uh, oh my God! Did you see what Seth just sent us? Um, <sighs> sorry, oh folks. God. Interruption in the show from Seth just randomly. <laughs> I like how he, there's a Photoshop gun <laughs> on him. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so they push on. They make this album. Uh. Anthony, can you can you guess what made this album so special? Um No, I can't. <laughs> Vulgar display of power <clears throat> was you know, it it was a high point, right? Like you got him in the spotlight, right? Yeah. Well, now the media is asking themselves who the fuck is Pantera? Because far beyond driven becomes the number one song on the top 200 billboard. Oh, sort of like when Tool came back. It is at at this time in 1995. It is or sorry, uh, 94. It is the heaviest album to hit number one on a Billboard chart. In the Damn. middle of grunge, like you have Ooh. to put it in perspective, you have Nirvana, like Soundgarden, <laughs> Alice in Chains. There's all these guys making albums, but and then the, out of left the, fucking field comes Pantera with the heaviest album they had made yet, hitting number one. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it was it honestly it fucking amazing. <laughs> so and uh to, and and here's another thing, Anthony. The artwork, I'm sure you remember seeing that, right? X ray yeah. skull having a giant drill board into it, right? Yeah. Yeah, well it turns out there's actually a, a special limited edition run of vinyls that were out. Uh Ooh. that was actually the original artwork for that album. <laughs> You're never gonna get this, but take a guess what was on it. Well, how many members of Pantera are there? Four. Four. Okay, so there's gonna be four of them. They're all wearing butcher outfits, holding dead um, baby dolls. All of them covered with blood. 
Oh man, the, you know that sounds very death metally. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, that, no. That was the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the uh, White Album used to look like. <laughs> so, god damn. So well, the original artwork is actually uh, it's a woman who is bent over. You can't see her face. Oh, uh, but what way. do you see? <laughs> she gets she takes that drill right up the ass. Ooh. That's uh sexy. <laughs> Alright, what was this album as? Far Beyond Tribbin, it was the limited run edition of the Fuck. the vinyl cover. Uh it was photographer Dean Carr who made it. Uh, and he had done photo shoots for Tool's album Undertow. So they hired him on uh to make this album cover. Oh boy! So the pa- the photo that he used with the woman was actually something he had used for Hustler, and it was just left over, and because they wanted something that was in your face and just very out there raw, he's like, yeah, you know, I think this is what you guys are looking for, and they did. Like Vinny, Phil, Dime, Rex, they all fucking loved that oh, album yeah. cover. Yep, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> they fucking loved it. Uh. Which uh, even Kara says, as soon as as soon as we uh, as soon as they saw that cover, they immediately called me back and said, "This is it. This is exactly what we want. It's in your face. It's fuck you. This is exactly uh, fu- the kind of thing that we're about." Fun fact: You can get that for uh, on uh, eBay for forty bucks. Hey, there you go. You want a picture of a girl taking a dildo drill up the ass? Yep, she's spreading her cheeks and everything. <laughs> which by the Depiction by a car that I didn't write down. <clears throat> that thing was like 12 inches long. Oh, it looks like it's longer than 12 inches. Oh, God. So they send that into the studio, right? They send that into the label. And dates are, and Terry Date's like, oh, yeah, guys, it's fine. They love it. Like, this is going to go over great. Yeah, they get word back. That will not fly. That must change. <laughs> Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> Which Vinny and Phil and the ba- like all the guys get around, they're like, what? You said it was fine. You said that they loved it. What do you mean they don't want it now? <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, mean they don't want to see a girl taking a drill up the arse? So what they end up using instead uh, is that Carr had a friend uh, who had lost a lot of weight and he had a lot of extra skin that he was still dealing with. <laughs> So, <laughs> so, what they did, <clears throat> he had lost about 80 pounds and he had extra skin. So we sewed it back and we put the drill bit in it. Uh, that's, uh, whoo. He then solarized the photo, partially reversing the image with exposure to light. Uh, so, of course, uh, that's how that album cover came to be a thing, to make it look the way it did. And then, Anthony, they go on tour. (laughs) Awesome. After having a a picture of a woman having a giant dildo drill shoved up in her ass, a guy who takes it to the forehead, they're back on the road. Did did they have uh, live performances (gasps) of that? Because I would love to have seen that. Live performances of what? The drill. (laughs) 
Oh, well. Well, I know what Anthony's looking up on his Pornhub later. Oh, God, no. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, to get serious. Now, you got to remember, serious. when they went out on this tour, Phil was right. heavily drinking, taking a lot of pills, and uh, let me tell you, Anthony, he was getting worse. Worse? Yes. Uh, the more the more the tour went on, the worse he got. Like, he was drinking more and taking more pills. Uh, it just progressively got worse because the way Phil puts it is, like, it would just, the pain would get worse, which anybody who's dealt with someone who's an addict knows that the reason that happens is you become addicted to the pills. Your brain's coming up with an excuse of why you need more. So they this tour, they go 12 cities. Uh, and then they're also accepted in a Masters of Rock tour, which uh, took place on Ooh. June 4th, 1994, shortly after the album had dropped. Uh, and uh, that whole 12-city tour and the Monsters of Rock stuff, like, they had a film crew with them for that. So there's, there was, they have, uh, there's a DVD set that they have. Uh, there's, I, I think there's actually a few of them. Because some of them are from, like, the Cowboys from Hell Day. Uh, and that's because mm-hmm. Dimebag always carried a camera with him. It's kind of his thing. <laughs> he just liked to record the tours. Uh, but anyway, so, oh man. Another uh, another thing to add about this album, Dimebag, Dimebag Daryl was now officially credited and named. It was no longer Diamond Daryl like it was on the previous two albums. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of drama that happens on the tour. Because uh, especially when they got to Monsters of Rock, <sighs> the news source, Krang! Krang. Yeah, turtles. Yeah, just a dude, just an alien dude wrote brain thing. And uh, Anyway, they made a, uh, they had an artist cartoon thing of Vinny, right? Right. Wasn't very flattering. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they they gave the they gave him uh, basically they made him look like a super fat guy behind a set of drums, and it was like yeah, this is what Vinnie Paul blah blah. So as soon as they get there, they see the Krang guys and the Abbott brothers, Vinnie and Dime. They immediately attack the Krang guys. <laughs> We're like, hey, the fuck is this shit? <laughs> Off to a great start. <laughs> Off great start. Like, hey, fuck you. Hey. Fuck you! Start a fight. Immediately getting to Monsters of Rock. Off to a great fucking start. Uh, but it doesn't end there. Uh, about a month after that, Phil gets arrested at a show for fighting a security guard at a show. Why? It's it's actually more common than you would think, uh, the reason that it happens. Uh there was a fan that was trying... There were there were fans, they always try to get up on the stage. And before Pantera had gotten to this point, they were doing a lot of, like, bars and clubs so, like, people could get on the stage and do whatever. So, at this point, they're getting to the major crowd. You know, they're doing, like, huge venues, huge concerts. But people still have that mentality. And Phil and them are like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's just part of being at the show. Well, the security guard pushes people back. Phil catches him pushing a kid back. So he Ooh. calls him out mid-show. Like, hey, fuck you. Don't be pushing fans, man. What the fuck's your problem? You get, is there a fucking problem, man? And I'm pretty sure this is the one that they have video of where he literally tells the dude, don't fucking step at me, dude. 
If you are going to step at me, you are asking for it. And he gets pulled back by Dime. Security guard gets on stage, and you see Phil full-on unleash a mean right hook into the guy's face. After warning him three times, hey, don't fucking step up here, man. (laughs) Don't do it. This and this is the thing, like for anyone who's sitting here, like what makes Phil? Phil is a, as Vinny had put it, he was a pit bull. Like he, he's not a very tall man, but he is just a very scary man. As far as you don't want to fuck with this guy. So anyway, he fights our security guard. Uh, Yeah, so he got arrested. Needless to say, there. And uh, do you know how he got out? Do you want to hear? The security guard looked at him and realized that he shouldn't be arresting him. Oh, you know, you'd think it would be the security guard came to his senses. It was like, you know, I fucked up. I was the asshole here. No, he gets bailed out on $5,000. Wow. (laughs) Do you think this hurt anything, Anthony? What? What was that? Do you think this hurt anything? Uh, No, I don't think it hurt anyone. That is exactly goddamn right, because the album... (laughs) Far Beyond Ribbon still hit number one in America and number 19 on the UK singles chart uh, with the song I'm Broken, marking their highest charting worldwide. Damn straight. Because you got to remember, back in uh, Vulgar Display of Power, nothing they had had hit past like 60. And I'm Broken hit number 19 in the UK. So they were hitting higher numbers than they had ever hit before. And even over here in America... They hit number one of the Billboard, which was fucking unheard of for a metal band. Like, no metal band was doing that in the 90s. You had Metallica with the Black Album, and then they started to transition into something else. Uh, Like, grunge and new wave rock kind of things were starting to take hold. So everybody's Mm -hmm. like, ah, Mm -hmm. metal's not a thing. (laughs) And they came out of fucking left field with this album. Uh, I just want to keep rubbing that in. Everyone can go fuck themselves. (laughs) Hey, Jared, do you know why it's called metal? (sighs) Why, Anthony? Because it's harder than rock. Aha, aha, aha. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, so by April of 94, <laughs> the album sold 190,000 copies and hit number one in the Billboard 200 in America and remained there for 20 weeks. Uh, and again, it's argued, uh, if not is, the most aggressive and hard album to reach number one. Uh, and as I said, at this point, we're going to cover over the yearing so everyone uh, can get their mindset for what's about to be coming out of these guys. At this point, you have Nirvana just released In Utero with songs like I'm Dumb, Lake of Fire, blah, blah. Uh, the year before that, they'd done the live show MTV Unplugged, which I have to pause right here and just say, if you have not heard the MTV Unplugged Nirvana, that is a great fucking album. Get that fucking album. Great fucking shit. Uh, on top of that, you had Soundgarden. Uh, Soundgarden, weeks before it released Super Unknown. Black Hole Sun, Anthony. Spoon Man. Uh, Black Hole <laughs> uh, Alice in Chains releases Jar of Flies. Has some of my favorite uh, songs on there. <clears throat> uh, I mean, so overall, yeah. It, it was it was a grungier. Because uh, before that, there was just... I mean, Metallica had the Black Album. I mean, that's about it as far as metal went. There wasn't a whole lot at this point. <clears throat> uh, you also had Dookie by Green Day released in February. 
<laughs> I knew you were gonna laugh at that one. I wait. I even put I, it in my notes to pause for Anthony's laugh. <laughs> I mean, I used to have it. Great album covers. It's hilarious. There's so much Dookie on the Dookie album. <laughs> uh, y'all, and uh, as far as anything that wasn't grunge, you had the Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. Not a bad album either. Uh, so it was it was a, a crazy opening to the year uh, for anything rock related. Uh, and then Pantera came out of the woodwork with it. Uh, basically, th- the way that you can describe Pantera was that they just had this this way of getting under the skin to the aggression that everyone felt. That like there was just some kind of mm-hmm. there's some kind of itch that Pantera gets to that <laughs> all the other bands weren't reaching. And you get Pantera that's just this full of energy, a live monster in your hand. Uh, and that's. Uh, I mean, that's all else she wrote as far as why that album went to where it did. You know, it's just mm-hmm. what it was. Uh, also, <clears throat> uh-huh. the jail time wasn't the only issue while touring for this album. Mm, probably armor-clad pigeons. <laughs> armor-clad pigeon, that's a good guess. Uh, no, Phil and his cocktail of alcohol and pills as they were touring uh, kept causing a lot of fucking tension. I mean, there was a lot. Uh, <clears throat> the way the guys remember it is uh, that he was lashing out at other bands over little things, like people that were touring with them. Uh, if he felt that they didn't play a song right or they didn't get the crowd to a certain extent, then, oh, why do we even fucking have you on the tour? Start lashing out at the members if he felt they weren't doing something right. Uh, you know, he was just, he was pilled out of his goddamn mind. Like, they talk about being on tour with him whenever they were doing, uh, like, signings and thing, meet and greets. They were like, he would just be leaning against the front of the bus with a cigarette out of his mouth, burning his shirt because he couldn't hold it in his mouth, and he would just put an X for his name on uh, for signing. Like, it was it was just getting bad, and we try to call him out, and it would just cause more tension. <clears throat> what a dickbag. It, 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 was, it was a bad time. Sounds like uh, it was a really bad time. It was. Uh, he was just becoming a giant asshole on the tour. That's just what happened. Uh, and the assault that he had on that security guard in uh, May of 1995, he pleaded guilty. Because, I mean, what the fuck else are you going to do? You fought the guy, and he knew that. He's on film. Yeah, and like, I mean, they got me. Uh, he got 100 hours of community service. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. Oh, but Anthony, <laughs> what is any band starting to fall out without a little bit of heroin? <laughs> Jesus, all the places you went, I was not expecting that. Yeah, because after about a year of him doing pain kills and alcohol, the pain was just unbearable. And uh, as he put it, he ran a, they were in New York doing a show. And he got invited off by a punk rock chick who was at the show who's like, hey, man, I got what you need. And Phil Ensemble, unfortunately, starts doing heroin like everyone else started to do at this time. Kids, I'm just going to talk to everyone listening. Don't fucking do heroin or meth. No, that heroin is... fuck you up. Heroin is awful. Watch the movie Train Spotting to really understand how bad heroin can be. Put it that way. Get an entertaining movie that also does. I mean, honestly, I feel like it does a pretty decent job of showing you how fucking terrible heroin is. You're in and out for fucking days, and you stop giving a shit about anything. Except <coughs> for heroin. Yeah, pretty much. 
Uh, so yeah, he, he starts doing heroin, uh, which obviously causes more strain on the band. Uh, <laughs> the Abbott brothers, Vinny and Dime, uh, and Phil were all butting heads constantly because of grow uh, because of Phil's aggressive tones and attitude on touring. You know, they everyone had just gotten to the point of like, dude, you need to calm the fuck down. Like, we can't, th- this can't go on. Like, this is unfucking bearable. Despite all this, the band once again sets their sights on a new record because the 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 way that they describe it is when they were in the setting of making an album or on a tour, all the bullshit just evaporated. They were just four guys, once again, standing inside a studio, music. All that happened. But unfortunately, that doesn't last forever. And if you can't confront your problems, you know. So, to get onto this album, they wanted it to be they wanted it to go in the same tone that they had done with Far Beyond Driven. They wanted aggressive, uh, you know, they had, they'd found their niche for what, what was working. And they're like, we need to go at it again like that. We need to get this shit done. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Anthony, am I boring you? No, I'm just acknowledging oh, what you're saying. Oh, so oh, I, guess, that I'm actually yes. showing you that I'm actually paying attention <laughs> as, opposed, as opposed to ignoring you. I guess I'll just remain quiet and act like I'm not in, involved at all. I'm, I'm kidding. You know why? <laughs> Why? I forget my point. So they're on to okay. make the Great Southern Trend Kill. Uh, and uh, Phil's heroin use uh, it becomes extreme at this point, sadly, uh, because now what ends up happening is uh, they 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 they. The way that they record this album is different than they had done with the others. Uh, so every album up to this point, they had all gone to the gone to the same location. They had all recorded in the same place. You know, it was a jam session. Is how they recorded it. Right. It's not what happened this time. So <laughs> this time they took a little bit of a break uh, and to start writing things. Vinny and Dime go back to Texas. Uh, Phil goes to New Orleans. He goes back home to New Orleans. <clears throat> Anthony, uh, I hear you asking, but what did he go to New Orleans for? But what did he go to New Orleans for? Why was it meth and heroin? <clears throat> I actually put that in my notes as well. Uh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll get to where we'll we'll get to why he went Jared, to New Orleans, not just heroin. <clears throat> Jared, when I see you. Net physically next time, I'm just gonna warn you. I have a Nerf gun with your name on it, and you are going to get shot with it. He especially says especially after that, today. He says that, but he won't. So the record comp- the record label ends up calling down, and they say, "You guys, we need you guys to like add some rapping on the music now. That's really hip and popular right now. You need to add some rapping in there, like." 
verbal rapping or oh yeah rapping? like straight up rapping because wow. Limp Biscuit. I did it all for the nookie. Come on. So, <laughs> can you can you take a guess of what these guys told them about that? I'm assuming they laughed in their face. Oh, that is exactly what happened. They immediately laughed and told them, "Yeah, we'll get right on that." <laughs> and hung up. <laughs> uh which led to this album being an extreme opposite middle finger to what they had requested out of them. Uh, the band begins recording demos, uh, and and they like purposely go out of their way to be assholes about that. Uh, I've heard it put uh, that that Great Southern Trend Kill is different than all the other albums. It's their Dark Horse album, and it's the album where it's like, oh, you want rapping? Like, what's popular? What's the extreme opposite of that? <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of rapping, not talking at all, or country? I would say. <clears throat> Uh, well, what comes out of Great Southern Trend Kill is, uh, I mean, it, it's, I'd say it's like, uh, kind of like the birth of Screamo in America. Oh, God. It's, it's equivalent to that with a lot of these tracks. Uh, that's, it's kind of, yeah, they just, they go to the complete opposite way. I guess that's the best way I can put it. Um, but as I said, Phil's over in New Orleans and... The others, they start to record at a, what Dimebag calls his practice pad. It's like the he has like an outdoor shed that like he, they would do jam sessions in, and then they would go to the studio. But this time around, when they went to the practice pad and they recorded some demos, they're like, you know what? I like this feeling a lot better. And they just stayed there. Didn't even go to the studio. Oh, good. Good, good. <laughs> they, they later said, fuck it. It's like everyone's waiting there like, oh, man, where the, what the hell are those guys? They're like, like four hours late, should we check on them? Meanwhile, they they're <laughs> recording the album. <laughs> like, the, the album's already been recorded. Yeah, the album's done. So I, now I would going, like to see uh, them showing up. Like, oh, you here to record the album? Yeah. The next one. Yeah, the next one, the one after the one we were just doing. You you guys did did an album without us? Yeah, it's right here, and then they just fucking <laughs> shotgun it into your face. <laughs> So, uh, as we said, Phil Phil went to New Orleans. Uh, and what he was doing there, not only was he, I mean, obviously he was doing, he was he was on heroin. But he was also starting his side project, uh, the band Down. He was starting there, uh, which their debut album was called NOLA. Uh, that's what he was working on, and that released in on September 19th of 1995. Uh, but he was down there getting that figured out. And what he would do is he, uh, he would record vocals based off what he would hear uh, on his periodic flights back to Texas to hang out with the guys and work on the album, uh, and what they would send him on what they had worked on. And uh, at this point, everyone begins to notice his complete behavior changes. Uh, they all talk about he would take long bathroom breaks. He would vanish for hours. Uh, and nobody had any idea where heroin. he'd go. 
Yeah, but nobody would have any. Like, he'd be like, hey, guys, I'm going to run down the store and grab some more beer. But then he would disappear for two hours, come back and be like, oh, I forgot the beer. And then he'd disappear for another hour. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? <clears throat> oh, I forgot the beer again. Dude, would you need us to go with you? Do you remember the beer? No, no, I got it. Uh, and Rex even said that uh, their their normal thing to do was they would they would wake and bake. Which if you, <laughs> which if you're not a stoner, <laughs> they'd wake up and get super. They get wake up and get high. Ah, well, four twenty uh, blaze it. Uh, <laughs> I think even non stoners can figure out what wake and bake means. Yeah, you gotta be sure, man. You never know, dude. Uh, but yeah, so Rex said that's what they would normally do. Uh, but he noticed things were different. Uh, because when Phil would wake up, he's like, he would already be up and he would be like, like he was already high. And I, he's like, it didn't really. It didn't really hit us back then. They're like, because we were just doing nothing but touring and partying. So to us, it was like, okay, well, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's just, maybe the pain pills are a little stronger this time. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, they start to notice things are different. Uh, but uh, they didn't really have a full idea about how bad it was. Uh, but because of how this was going on with him just flying back in and then having things sent to him, uh, Dime didn't know what the hell to do with the guitar parts. Like, he he uh, he didn't know what to do with the solos or the lead-up into choruses. He's like, because they weren't working with Phil for the first time. Like, normally they were all in the same room. They'd coordinate. This time they had no fucking idea what was going on. <clears throat> mm. Well, that's uh, sucky. But it works out, though. Uh, because on this Pardon album, me. because on this <laughs> on this album, we get one of the best solos in Pantera's long list of great guitar solos and guitar riffs. The what track, would that be? the track floods. <laughs> guitar solo in there is fucking phenomenally beautiful it's one of those things that's just hidden away on this album that people just kind of overlooked it is a beautiful fucking track uh, it has a lot of eerie guitar things on it and the solo on it's fucking amazing uh, and it had actually come directly from a 20 minute solo uh, the dime would do in live shows between songs when they weren't sure what they were going to do next uh, he would just start playing the solo and he's like I had some Van Halen in there and different things that I liked and I just started messing with it and one day we're in the studio and I couldn't figure out what to do so I 
just started doing that as a makeshift solo and we liked it. So I ran with it. Uh, (laughs) And he said it was the first time that Phil had no idea what to do. So he just let that play by itself. (laughs) Uh, Just caught him off guard. He's like, "Uh." (laughs) imagine going to a Pantera concert and you hear the same 20 minute solo three times because they just don't know what to do. (laughs) Like the first time is great. Second time we were like, is this the first one, or am I just mishearing that? And then the third time, you're like, okay, I've no. I've definitely, definitely heard this same. before, yeah. <laughs> or your <laughs> shit's too fucked to realize. Hey, either way. Uh, but yeah, so this album ranges all over the fucking place. Uh, on one end of the spectrums, you had songs like War a Nerve or Suicide Note Part 2, which had, which had Phil, and he had backing vocals done by Seth Putnam. Uh, Seth Putnam... Of a band that I'm waiting... Anthony's gonna laugh. The band Anal Cunt. I'm not gonna laugh. That's just the most amazing band name I've ever heard in my life. But I'm afraid to Google them. So Seth Putnam of Anal Cunt. Of Anal Cunt. All right. Anal Cunt. Yep. Google Anal Cunt. First thing that comes up is a band. Also known as AXCX or AC. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, So yeah, he had him. Uh, he had Seth Putnam come on to help do backing vocals, and you can hear the backing vocals on a lot of fucking albums. Jared, these songs. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't want to look that up, Anthony. It said one. Go for it. You were pregnant, so I kicked you in the stomach. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fair warning about them. Yeah, it turns out uh, anal cunt is a bit uh, who is a bit weird. Who'd have guessed? Yeah, yeah they're uh, they're very abrasive, politically incorrect kind of things. Phil said that he had picked that he asked Seth Putnam to come on and do vocal work because he he's like I just like their humor. They're very in your face, and I don't give a fuck what you think about it. Very up our alley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of the screaming part, a lot of the like deeper vocal screaming and stuff like that, it has backing from Seth on it. Uh, but then you also have the other side of it. So you have like the song "Floods," where it's like, "Oh, what the fuck did this come from?" So it it's an album that ranges all over the place, and it's it's a good album. Uh, but it is an album that has dark and angry lyrical content completely throughout it. Every single song has something bigger to say about itself. Uh. Especially when you get into the song uh, "Living uh, Hell's Wrath, Living Through Me," uh, Phil uh, unleashes about his addiction and his back pain. That's what the whole song is about. Never. 
And, uh, and then the band, once again, wouldn't you guess, Anthony, they go out on tour shortly after its release, May 7th of 1996. You know, I'm not surprised. Yeah, Anthony, you want to take a guess at how fucking bad that went? Um, really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, considering the fact that Phil is at peak heroin addiction right now, to the point he's taking multiple vanishing breaks all the time from everyone. And now they're like, all right, well, new album. We got to go out on tour, guys. Let's do this. Woo! <laughs> <clears throat> you want some heroin? I mean, bathroom breaks? Hey, man, like, I just woke up and I just, I had this weird, just weird feeling that I needed to come on your tour with you. Oh, why is that? You got beer? Oh, man, I chased the dragon. I don't know what kind of beer that is, but come on in. <laughs> guys got any of that white rabbit uh i got anger orchard white claw. you say you need white claw you got any of that wacky tobacco uh so anyway high speed uh, so yeah. chicken feed <laughs> Jesus Christ. so at this point yeah his heroin he uses really bad uh to make matters worse they have three buses out on their tour uh, one bus is Phil's bus. Just let that sit in for a minute. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine what was on Phil's bus. Bus. Buff, there is buff. Buff. Bus. Buff bus. Buff bus. A new business. So Phil has a bus. There is a bus for the crew. Dime, Vinny, Rex, and the manager. And security. Shared between the other two buses. But Phil had wow. a bus all to himself. All to himself. All to him fucking self. Okay. Now, when I said tensions were rising, <laughs> do you think that helped at all? <laughs> the answer Prob- is hell no. <laughs> Probably not. You know, if I got my own masturbate heroin bus, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I would definitely want to make sure that everyone else had their own as well, because... Ooh, that would give so much hatred. Oh, indeed. Uh, this only made tensions even fucking worse within the band. Uh, because Diamond Vinny took issue feeling that he was putting a divide between the band itself. Because every tour they had gone on, they'd have a bus for them, and it would be them. Like, they were touring, they were the band, they were bunking together, they were brothers. And all of a sudden, Phil was too good for them, they felt. Like, he had to have his own bus. He can't be around everyone else anymore. Uh, to make matters worse... <laughs> As they were touring, Phil offered Rex to take a bunk with him because he realized that there was just a lot of people crammed into the one bus that could have been spread out between two. He's like, there's a lot of people in there. Like, why? if you want to, you can take the other half of my bus. I'm not using it. Rex took took that offer. He's like, I just wanted my own space. Like, I, I, could, I couldn't even think. Like, Dime would get up at 6 in the morning at the crack of dawn and just blast the radio. And that was the thing every morning. Like, I just needed my own space. 
I can just remember, do you have to blast Mongolian vocal singing? Gets me in the mood, man. <laughs> it's so loud. <laughs> I won't be able to play my music unless I listen to this. <sighs> it's just nursery rhymes. This is all it is. <laughs> The wheels of the bus go round. <laughs> Pantera on the bus go. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <clears throat> uh, but because Rex does that, uh, they immediately target him. Because it's like, oh, we're not good enough for you either then. So it just made things worse. Because there was already the tension because Phil had his own bus. So Rex taking the other one, they took issue with that. Of like, oh, we're, not, we're too good for you. Because there was already the tension there. Uh, but, you know, Rex has come out and, you know, already stated his side of it. I'm just like, I wasn't trying to cause anything. Like, I literally just, I couldn't take having, you know, 12 people in one area. I couldn't do it. Like, I'd, I'd need it out. But, uh, to make, to make this even worse, <clears throat> the year is 1996. They're touring for this album, right? Right. <clears throat> now, we've already stated the issues within the band. And later that year, later that year in 1996, as the band was performing in Dallas, Phil Anselmo collapses on stage due to an overdose. Mid-set. Damn. And uh, the way Vinny has put it is that he thought he was performing. He's like, we've done stuff like that before on a show, you know? Like, he goes down, and then he gets up, and it's just part of how the song's going. But he went down, and he didn't get up for a good two minutes. And I'm like, I don't think this is part of the show like it normally is. And the paramedics were over him doing their thing. En route to the hospital, he was declared dead for three to five minutes before he was brought back. Damn. Like, I want to make a joke about this, but this is some shit, some shit you can't joke about. Yeah, the, this is where things took a real hard left turn. Like, it went from them not really knowing what was going on with him, him acting weird, keeping his distance, to they go on their first tour since the not really being together recording the album, and he drops dead on stage, turns blue, and has to be rushed to the hospital mid-tour. So, the band goes back on hiatus. Uh, Phil focuses back on his side projects down in Superjoint, but mind you, he doesn't tell everybody else what he's doing. Uh, he tells them that he needs space, that he needs to figure his shit out. And to put this in more perspective, they were tra- they tried to help him. Uh, what what Dime would do because he always carried his camera, he would videotape Phil doing stupid shit while he was high on heroin, and then he would play it back for him. But Phil, obviously, when you're in an, ad- an addict's mindset, is he got mad, he would smash the tape, tell him they're all fucking wrong, and then he took off, and he tell- and he says he'll be back, doesn't say anything. Uh, in the downtime, they release... Uh... Oh, God, what was... They, uh... Hang on a second, I have it here. There we go. Official, I couldn't remember the exact naming. Uh, official Live 101 Proof... Uh, which was all the live songs that they recorded during the the tour for Far Beyond Driven. Uh, They released that out, and they're waiting, waiting, waiting. 
Uh, but Phil didn't really come back. He They just started seeing him starting to tour with Down, and now the super joint thing he started. They're like, when is he going to come back? Uh, after mm. four years, the band finally uh, confronts Phil. They're like, look, man... We we've been we've been putting this shit off for too long, and the way uh, the way Vinny and them have put it is like you got to think from our perspective of we were touring nonstop from 1990 with Cowboys from Hell up until '96 with the Great Southern Trend Kill. Like it was just back to back to back. We would record an album, we'd go out on tour. So the whole issue that was going on, we didn't have time to deal with it. You know, we didn't care about the money. We just loved playing music. And people, there was a demand for us to be on the road, and we were all just doing our thing. And things didn't really hit the shit until Phil dropped on stage when we realized that we had to stop and we we had to handle our shit. Uh, but Take because Phil took themselves. off, yeah, and then Phil took off, uh, and it's not till four years after the fact that they're finally able to to coax him out, and they work past it essentially. Oh, so yeah, they confront Phil about uh about his addiction. They're like, "Hey, man, we we gotta we gotta figure something out here." Uh, and this is where we're gonna end the episode because what comes next is the final album. Uh, sadly, the final album from Pantera because the the album that comes next has harkens back to vulgar dis- uh, vulgar display of power. Uh. There's not the heaviness that was on Great Southern Trendkill. There, there's some of it, but they have more to do with going back to Vulgar Display of Power. It's a shorter album. Uh, it's an oh, it's a really overlooked album. Most people, because it's the last album, it got overlooked by people as shit. But it's actually, arguably, one of their best albums they put out was the final album. Uh but yeah, they uh, they go back, they start to work on demos, and we'll pick this up next week at the final conclusion of Pantera and what happened after the fact, because there's a lot of shit that goes on after. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he dropped dead on the fucking stage. Damn, I couldn't even imagine that. Like, like they got set up, they did a couple songs, and then uh, he just smack went down. They didn't even know there was anything wrong till he started to turn blue. And they're like, "Oh shit, this isn't part of the show." Uh, and that, so yeah, that this is this is the downfall of Pantera. And next week we'll just finish up with uh, the conclusion of Pantera. Is it's fucking terrible. To, I I hate to fucking say the conclusion because I'm so sad that everything ended the way it did. Because like you're you like you can see with the past two episodes, like they were on this upward trend of like we finally found our groove. We have we have it. Like we've got something. Uh, and then they just up and disappeared though. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, yeah, it gets a lot worse. Week. If you, if you thought this episode was cringy, for the information in it, it gets way cringier on the finale. Uh, but come back for that next week. Uh, so Anthony. Yeah. Yes. Can I ask you <laughs> a question? You just did. <laughs> Fuck you. What's the new CLT about? The new CLT is about how Anthony's a dumbass. Thank you. That doesn't sound right. I don't remember recording that. 
uh, the new CLT, we, uh, we're going to be uh, talking about some... Yeah! Um... As I called in the episodes, the terrorists of their time. Oh, that's right. I made some. Oh boy. Oh yeah, I put a co- in the in the description. There's a thing that says Jared makes a terrible conclusion. I made a terrible but true yeah, conclusion. Uh, yep. Terrible. But you have to figure out what true. that is. But yes, we're going over uh, pirates. <laughs> Yar. Indeed, we did. Uh, so check that out Wednesday. Uh, and I'm also going to say it now. We have an announcement about Fireside Chats. Uh, I did post it on all our social media, but in case you're just now listening to an episode, I don't know what the fuck you've been doing up until now with everything we've done. But hey, congratulations. Welcome. You're an oddity now. <laughs> don't check your closet. Uh, so we are moving Fireside exclusively to YouTube. Uh, we're, we were putting them out on the podcast platform uh, for everyone, but uh, going over the numbers, talking with James... Uh, it just does better on YouTube because we're having content creators that are primarily YouTubers uh, on there, so that's where it's going to stay now. But don't worry, that channel's going to get used for something real soon. Mm. Hmm. I, I would I would say something that I'm also working on, but Anthony will literally quit the show. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, I won't quit the show if you want to ruin the surprise for everyone before it's well ready and in development, but... Oh, there's... there's a, well, <laughs> Anthony thinks it's one thing, but there's another thing I'm also working on that I've also talked to James about <laughs> that James knows is coming. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have something uh, really big that we're working on uh, that hopefully we'll have out... Uh, at some point here, there's just a lot of moving pieces for it. Uh, but I have something, a second thing that I'm going to be putting out. Check our Instagram, uh, Oddcast Network, to see more about it. Because there uh, might be some special things that are coming. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check all the stuff out. Uh, oddcastmedia at gmail.com. If you have any comments about the shows or whatever. Oddcast Network, you can find all the shows. Blah, 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 blah. Yada, 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 bullshit. Uh, yeah, just check us out. All the social medias. Uh, Anthony, any final words? Um, eat your vegetables. Which That's a good one. Corn is a fruit. Stay away from heroin. Good night, everyone. Stay on. Good night. Hey, guys. If you enjoyed the show, you can go over to oddcastnetwork.com. That's right, oddcastnetwork.com. And go over there and check out the other shows that we're doing. And you can also go check out patreon.com slash oddcast to help support the show. Until next time, y'all stay odd and stay happy. <laughs>